coming at you. Hey now, it's the weekend. It's payday. It's time to grab a beer. It's Brewing Company. Roll the open. I am not musically gifted at all. I sing in the shower quietly to myself. It's a fun name to say. There's a couple of really fun names to say. I hope I don't have to. Brothers from Greece. Let's just say there's a few letters that are silent. I don't think I would survive very long on if you're smarter than a fifth grader, but I bet I could tell better jokes than they can. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to the 17th episode of Bruin Company. I am your host, Matt Brubaker, and we've got a little three-man weave of co-hosts today. We're going to go with a full foursome. Uh, but our good buddy Mark Scott Jr. Uh, was not able to make it. So we've still got a pretty good, I don't know if I should say we have a pretty good threesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make it a golf thing, but I mean, there are three of us, and <laughs> but that's weird. So we have a good group of three here today. Myself as the main guy. We also have my good buddy, Brendan Jenkins from episode seven and my really good buddy, Jason Lance from episode nine. Uh, we're basically the Jacobs crew without Mark. So uh, we got to toast one up to Mark and, and drink a few for him today. Is he still working a golf tournament? Gentlemen, first off, before we get started on everything, how we doing? Uh, I got to see Jinx and Lance here in the last week or so. So I guess we don't have to catch up on too many things. But how are things going in the last uh, three to five days of your lives? All good, Brew. Uh, hopefully you're recovering from some uh, late nights and uh, early mornings, we'll say, from the concerts and road trips and whatnot. But uh, all is good in my world and, uh, you know, working and relaxing with the dog at night. I feel like an old grown up these days. <laughs> you, you look old right now. You got a Wake Forest shirt on. You got a Titleist hat on in your own house and you've got your dog on your lap. How old do you feel right now, Lance? Uh, about 42. I, you know, I just need like. <laughs> to cheers myself with another beer so there you go jinx how are you doing man good good can't complain uh got to play golf again today so no complaints anytime you get out a corporate work outing that's always a good a good sign but uh everything else is good man just busy with work and uh pretty excited for college football coming up yeah we'll, we'll definitely get into some college football we'll also talk some golf so you guys or at least jinx you let it in pretty nicely uh, how'd you play today did, did your team fare all right yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm probably the only guy that consistently can shoot below 80 in my group. I mean, most guys <laughs> are probably, you know, 14, 18 handicaps. Uh, so we played Tartan Fields, Ooh, which can nice. be tough for for those guys. But uh, yeah, right. I actually hit tough it pretty well. I hit it pretty well. The greens were fast. Um, so we shot 11 under in a four man scramble, which isn't bad. 14 under one, but uh, Ooh, it was fun. Nice. It was fun. Anytime you got complimentary domestic beer, that's uh <laughs> That's a, check. that's a check plus in my box. That's funny you say that. I uh, I played at an outing on Saturday. Lance, you're talking about my early mornings. I don't mind the late nights. I've been doing late nights since both of you guys have known me. It's the early mornings that kick brew in the behind. I woke up on Friday morning at 6 a.m. to go to Cleveland, got home at 9 p.m. Saturday, I played in our church golf outing at Westchester, and I played with three guys you were talking about, Jinx, about they're probably like 14 handicappers. I played with three guys that were over the age of 70. And but we, we were one of the best teams, you know, they say pound for pound. I say year for year. We might have been one of the best teams out there. One of the weird rules were you guys have played. We've played in outings together. Have you guys ever played where when you start on the whites, if you make a birdie, you have to move back to the blues 
And then if you make a par or a bogey, you have to move back up to the whites and you just kind of fluctuate every hole. So we started out kind of slow. So I just continued to play the whites, but they were old enough where they could play the greens the entire round. So that we had one guy who could honest to goodness, bomb it like 230, 240. Like he was incredible. And then we had another guy who was our pastor's father-in-law. So I was in a group where I, I could not swear at all. And I didn't. I w- that was my best part of my game. But he, I swear to you, made seven putts in a row of at least 15 feet. Two of them were 30 plus. And he had he said he has this like patent on his left elbow where once he locks it in, he just makes them. And I thought it was just a good joke. And I actually might want to invest in the patent. So good for him. But we shot 59. Wow. It's me being like, you know, about 65 years old. And then the other guys are over 70. So we had a great time. So you guys shot 11 under with three 14 plus handicappers. That's pretty good too, Jinx. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I have never heard about that moving tees. Did you have to keep going back if you continue to make birdies or as <laughs> blue as the back furthest so, you'd go back? So Westchester, they have like a thousand tees. So the farthest back is black, but so you could go all the way back to that if you kept making birdies. Yeah. And oh, okay. I, I bet you guys probably have played Westchester. I've never played the blacks in my life there. That's like 7,200 yards. And I'm not about hitting three and four irons into every green. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I just thought of this. So we made, I think, eight birdies in a row. Actually, I eagled the first hole myself. How funny would it be like if you get to the blacks after your third birdie in a row? You're like, well, where do I tee off now? What's the next tease? You just go into someone's backyard before long. You're in their living room next to their second bedroom. Then you're in their like hall closet. You're like, I have nowhere else to go. You just have to switch to your non-dominant. You got to go left-handed <laughs> and start back at the red tees after that. <laughs> My left-hand man is totally stupid. So that would be difficult, but it was interesting. I, I don't really like it because I think it kills momentum and they were trying to keep everybody competitive, but at the same time, like, I kind of want to bring the two of you and Mark and we go play in the church out in next year to see if we could shoot, I don't know, 52, 53. But if we're playing the blacks all day, I don't know if that would be as much fun, but they don't want me to bring three other ringers and, and run away with it. But, you know, I think Jesus would be okay with that. Right. (laughs) Uh, Lance, by the way, we have to circle back to Lance. We can't forget Jason here. You, (laughs) you were at a bachelor party in Denver the weekend that Jinx and I went up to play at, at Ashland country club and your good buddy, was it Dan who was yeah, getting married? And that's what you guys Dan. are celebrating. Yep. Lives Would you like to share the quick story of at your bachelor party? What happened to Dan at the, in the bathroom at the brewery <laughs> where we stopped for lunch. So this was the, uh, <laughs> I can go through the highlights real quick from, you know, I was the bachelor, so I was enjoying myself as well. I so, might have to uh, share the highlights. The story. I, re- I remember. Yeah. You can fill in the gaps. <laughs> Um, I think it was the second day we, um, you know, obviously we were in Louisville doing some bourbon touring. Um, we went to one, I think at like 10 o'clock that morning or something. And the previous night was, I think pretty late, had a good time. You know, Dan flew in from California. You're not going to travel cross country and not really embellish yourself, you know, and, and then have a great time. So I think he was, uh, you know, feeling it, um, we went to a brewery for lunch right after the, the 10 o'clock tour or something like that. And then, um, you know, we're all eating and drinking and suddenly Dan disappears for, you know, what seems like, seems like a normal bathroom time. And then it just keeps getting extended and extended. <laughs> and you're like, we need to check on him. Um, so, you know, eventually 
my now brother-in-law, Christopher, uh, who's an engineer, he's like, oh yeah, I'll just take out my credit card and uh, open the the lock on the bathroom door and we'll check on him and whatnot. I don't really, I didn't check on him because I didn't want to get too heavily invested, but I think he was, <laughs> I think it was coming out both sides at the time and he delayed the bus basically going to the next stop and apparently left his underwear behind uh, at the bathroom and you know, basically free balled the rest of the day to all the rest of the bourbon stops. And that was just by noon. You know, he, he made it worthwhile coming cross country to go to my bachelor party, but that's Dan in a nutshell, let alone at his own bachelor party. So, well, I mean, that's one less thing to pack on the, on the way home. I guess he could maybe get it as a carry on instead of having to store it underneath. So, I mean, that's a strategic poo he had right there. That's crazy though. And here's the thing. I was the next one in line just to use the restroom as a regular person. I just had to pee. That's all I had to do. And the darn thing was locked. And I kept hearing this person in there. I'm like, what is, what is this person doing? And then I got on the bus and found out later that he just, he soiled his trousers, but what, what a day. So you said there were 25 guys in Denver. Did anyone crap their pants in Denver? Because it could be a lot harder to do in Denver with that elevation thing. Funny you say that. Um, once we got there, everybody, it, we weren't even drinking, you know, going crazy by that time, but really? The the elevation or in the altitude was playing funny games on everybody's bowels. Um, I'm sure we put the plumbing system to quite a test uh, over that day and a half. But we got there, and even Dan was actually one of the main ones. I mean, we were all had just gotten there. You know, it's the roll in. You're just hanging out, and Dan's like, "I have some serious churning going on. Like I've been here for three hours, and I, it's like you know a crap an hour basically." Um, and my buddy Ari kind of warned uh, me of that too. He's like, you're going out to Denver yeah. altitude kind of has some weird, wacky things with your That's digestive weird. system. <laughs> Ironically, before I got there, the first thing that the guys did is they accidentally broke the handle off the toilet. And <laughs> that makes it tough to flush. Yeah. One of the guys was like completely freaked. You know, mind you, these guys are all brilliant engineers. Most of them work at like defense contractors and he breaks the handle off the toilet and he looks at Dan and, and he's like, Dan, what are we going to do? And Dan's like, dude, you know how a toilet works. You just take the top off and you'll just, you know, pull the lever up the whole weekend. You know, obviously we probably lost our deposit for the weekend, but I remember in one of the episodes, I, I missed very easily a great movie reference. And my brother called me out on it. So I'm not going to miss this same movie again. This just takes me back to the bathroom scene of dumb and dumb. When he's standing there in his tidy whities trying to oh, flush, you bastard. That that's what this reminds me of. And then, you know, Mary Swanson comes in. I hope you're not using the toilet. It doesn't flush. He goes, <laughs> looks around. I was just shaving. That's what that sounds like. It, it sounds much. like that on steroids. But except with, you know, it's smart and smarter, not not dumb and dumber. All right, gentlemen, well, I say we we crack a beer. We get started here. So I guess we have to cheers this one to Mark. So I've got my koozie in hand. I'm, I'm sticking with the silver bullets and the Coors Light. Lance looks like he's going with the elite drink. Jinx has his uh, little, that's not a koozie, but it's like a, a thing that keeps it cold longer. What do they call those things? I honestly don't know. They're, I think they're, uh, who is it? Yeti that makes like the little Yeti insulating there you go. koozies. Insulator. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, actually, yeah like but. Lance got us one for, for the wedding. But uh, Jinx has it looks almost blue in the in the video there, Jinx. But it's his AU golf one, which they looks like they're blurring it out. So it looks like it's like some swear word on it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Jinx, what are you drinking here? 
I got to say, I've been pounding beers all day and I didn't want to fall asleep. So I got a Diet Coke right now trying to stay awake. Sound like Porter from episode one. This is apple juice. <laughs> yeah, uh, need Lance, the caffeine right now. That's uh, this was a little Buffalo Trace. Ooh, Buffalo Trace. We got, a, we got a mixed bag. We got Coors and the beers. We got Buffalo Trace. That's what bourbon, right? Correct. And then we got <laughs> Mr. Jinx with the Diet Coke. Uh, by the way, uh, Jinx, I always like to go back and listen to the preview clips of, of all the just all the shows. I think one of my favorite preview clips was yours when the thunderstorm rolled in and I, I thought your stomach was gargling. <laughs> my, daughter, one, man. my daughter, Gemma, actually brought that up tonight. We were going for a walk when I got <laughs> home and I was like, yeah, I got to record a podcast tonight. And she was like, I like that one where your stomach growls. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's She's awesome. listening, listening to it in the car with Molly. So <laughs> your daughter has got to be the cutest little kid in the world. So I'm glad she could take some some enjoyment Num- in that. Number one fan for sure. Cool. Cool. And Lance, I still think our drinking game of you making me chug in our little contest that might have been. I mean, I made that into a video, so, you know, that's got to be an all timer so far. So maybe we can have another good one here uh, tonight for episode 17. Uh, I guess what we should do first, I, I threw down on the rundown and maybe we're just throwing back to different stories, but were you able to recover Friday, Lance, after the Kenny Chesney concert? We weren't too bad. We uh, we were just pissed at how long we had to sit in traffic afterwards. Uh, we were probably sitting in the parking lot for an hour or something. You should like have that, stayed but... when you guys left, man. You missed one song and it was she thinks my tractor's sexy. I know we heard it on the way out. I think I missed like an easy opportunity to leave that we were cursing at ourselves for an hour about. <laughs> and then we got stuck in traffic and um, it wasn't too bad, but um uh, you know, it was midnight by the time we got home and we left my father-in-law. He was at home by himself uh, with the dog because he was ta- here taking Emily's brother to Miami and we were already going to the concert. So Dude, I think I um, beat you. Well, I, I got to I dropped my brother and his girlfriend off. I bet we beat you home after all that. Probably now. Bad, Jinx, bad driving. Quick guess. And th- there's no you know penalty for wrong answers. How much do you think J- or Jinx, your Jinx, how much do you think Lance paid to park at that concert? <laughs> I, I didn't have to pay anything free. Uh, how close were you to the stadium? Well, I was getting just getting in the uh, what do you call it? The parking lot there oh, in wow. the stadium. Historic oh, crusade. Is it like 40 bucks? Yeah, Holy so. man. <laughs> well, exciting. I heard it must be reasonable. <laughs> my brother-in-law was there. He told me beers were $14. I about threw up in my That's mouth. correct. Now, I will say this. Yes, they were $14, but those babies were huge. So the big boys, you know, like my uh, I've had a lot of people say sometimes it's, it's worth the memories to spend a little money. And I did because I bought a shirt for me, a shirt for Caitlin and a hundred and fifty daughter uh, daughter. Yeah, that too. A hundred and fifty dollar twenty by twenty four autographed Kenny Chesney art frame. It's beautiful. You were off Lance on Friday, right? Oh, no, I worked. You did a little wiggle of mouse intentionally said a very lackluster, busy day on Friday. And I could see him watching the prices right on Friday, just wiggling the mouse at every one dollar break. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, I don't have any as the last couple of episodes. I don't have any uh, brew money saving tips of the week, but um, I got one for you. Okay, you you got a money saving tip of the week for us. Yeah, you you park on the side of the street outside the concert, right? That's what you did. No, we parked on 4th and 17th and walked. It was free. And here's the thing. Two of my biggest pet peeves in life, they kind of related to each other. 
paying to park and street parking. Now, I didn't have to pay to park, but the street parking that I had, I pulled right in. It was beautiful. So I had no, well, I did have some stress because there was some traffic and there was an accident and I just wanted to get there, but I was able to dunk three Coors lights on the walk to the stadium. So props to me for that. And those were free too. So that was good. That there's our money saving tip of the week. I do have to go back. Uh, I think jinx Lance, you may not know since you still are refusing to do fantasy football with us. I've loved Antonio Brown for quite some time. The fantasy football player. I do not support him as a person. I think he's mentally insane. But I have another update on Antonio Brown and something else he said. Would you guys like to listen to this? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, don't all, don't all speak at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's just he's lost his mind, and now he's losing it on Twitter. He says this. He says, I quit one time against the Jets, and I'm labeled a quitter and can't get back in the NFL. But LeBron does it multiple times against Boston, Dallas, and Golden State. And that one time the air conditioner went out and he's considered the goat of the NBA. How is that fair? I, I don't understand him. Uh, Jinx, I know you're in the league this year. What, what pick do you have again? Number five. You want to reveal who you're thinking? You know, I've run a couple of mock draft simulations already. Mm-hmm. Um, the models aren't coming out just the way I like it at this point. So... <laughs> I don't, would like to refrain okay. from giving any tips right. at this point. He pleads the fifth, and, and he's also got the fifth. I have the 14th, and I have, I've done like eight mock drafts, and I just – I'm still not – I'm not sure. Like I talked with Alistair in the last episode. I don't know if that's a good thing or a curse. I'm, I'm not sure. Lance, what do we have to do to get you into the league? I don't know. Maybe uh, take out my laziness in my as a uh, trade in my life, I guess. But NFL has never been something that I kind of get passionate about. Um, See, I, I've I, always been an AB fan though too. I drafted him in some of mine when I used to play, so I uh, we do that. have that. Uh, do that have, have that in common? So I had him on my teams. I have an Antonio Brown jersey. How much would you like to buy that for? Uh, I think I'm pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Damn it! I, I, I have five bucks. You're trying to pay off your Kenny Chesney uh, <laughs> autograph thing? Yeah, right. Yeah, one AB jersey at the time. I think I need 150 of them to be sold. So it's going to take a lot to get you to come. See, here's the thing, though, Lance. I've never had a favorite NFL team. I know Jinx is a big Lions fan. I've just I don't care who wins. I'm too loyal to Ohio State. So I do fantasy football to give me a reason to at least have some care in the NFL. So Jinx, is it hard for you to have a favorite NFL team, which maybe it's not that hard because they don't win that much, but (laughs) Is it hard to have a favorite NFL team and root for an outcome? But then also, let's say the Lions are playing the Vikings and you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Is that hard to root for your team, but also for your fantasy team or that guy going against your your team? That's got to be difficult, right? Um, A little bit. I, I don't think it's that difficult. Ultimately, like. If the Lions, if you told me right now the Lions would make the playoffs or or even win a game in the playoffs this year, I'd probably be fine losing every single game of fantasy just because I like, you know, cheering on the Lions that much. I try to, you know, grab a Lions guy or two so I've got somebody to pull for within my own team if I can, but yeah. it makes it hard when they're, you know, not the strongest team. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ultimately, 
you know, I love fantasy football. I love playing it like you. It gives me uh, good reasons to root for different teams, watch different games. But, I mean, if the Lions are going to win a game and it's going to ruin me in fantasy football, I'll take it all day because I I just love watching them win when they do. I just I thought it was funny a second ago when you said win a game and then you added at the end in the playoffs. I thought you were just going to stop it, win a game. <laughs> well, I'd take just a winning season would be great. And then okay. uh, we're, we, you know, we're building towards stuff at this point. But <laughs> I think Jinx, you and I have to come up with some ploy or some pitch to get Lance to do fantasy next year. I, I'm kind of a salesman now. I mean, I worked a 14 hour day on Friday setting up for the Browns preseason game on Sunday, which my back is killing me, by the way. Th- this joke might be a little too soon, but it's funny. I just won't say that. Never mind. Maybe it is too soon. I could go for a massage. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. <laughs> but we have to come up with. You like? You like? Yeah. Hi, hi, Libby. I see her over on the side there. I thought it was a stuffed animal that you were petting for a second, Lance, and I saw it move. And I figured, I figured they're not making moving stuffed animals since the Ted movies haven't been made here in the last couple of years. But what do you think that what what would be a good sale or a sell to you, Lance, to do fantasy? Do we do we bump the stakes for money? Would do you need more money for first place? I don't know, money, you know, free drinks here and there, a good round of golf somewhere. Maybe, Maybe I'm just holding this is why I'm holding out. I need some incentive from you all. You know, you're all very successful, great guys. I'm not, I'm I'm not highly desired and you want me back that much. You gotta sell me. So yeah. I'm just trying to get as many former Ashland people in the league as humanly possible. And you're like the last one of the group. So you're right now you're the you're the scarlet letter of the group here, the scarlet letter. This that that's the book, right? That's the reference. I don't read much. Maybe we'll get to kick somebody out to get me in or yeah, I'll kick somebody out. I've kicked them out every year. The last like five years, we always lose one or two. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't want to deal with their crap. You're Dunsky. Can I just Um, give my two cents on fantasy real quick? Yeah. I think I wish that there was less information on fantasy football because now everybody is so good at it. And when you draft, you just have the click of the button and you can just get everybody. They rank them. They tell you who's hurt. They give you every piece of information. I feel like I missed like 10 years ago when some dude would just randomly take a kicker in the fourth round or, or do just something dumb. And it just does. Yeah. Lance. And it doesn't even exist anymore because you sit there and they perfectly power rank everybody. You could yeah. just click whoever's available, the top guy, and you'd have a great team. Sure. And there's no more guy who took, you know, three, you know, four tight ends, you know, early and he has nobody left. Just so I miss, I wish there was less information. So people actually had to do a little bit more. Like when you go to draft, they weren't ranked. They just had the list of the, they just had the list of the players. And so you had to actually kind of put in a little advanced prep. I I miss that a little bit. Go ahead, Lance. I loved taking a kicker in like the third or fourth round. I was always getting like Mason Crosby or whoever like kicked the longest field goal the prior year because I was like, that's going to get you a lot of extra points and a lot of field goals. But that was my very inexperienced, probably, Uh, you know, take on fantasy football. I mean, but it always got a great reaction too. (laughs) You know, Brew, I wasn't sure if we needed Lance back, but now I think we do. We got to get his ass in now because that's an easy 20 bucks that we could just put in for someone else. I got to tell you guys a quick story about fantasy. Jinx, your first year at Ashland was 2009. Was your RA, was that Jason Wessel? Yes. Okay. So do you remember, and we did the fantasy league. Do you remember when we all did the draft down in the Jacobs lobby 
and that story about he and I still think this was a little rigged. Do you remember the story about he and him taking, I guess, who we took for the first pick? Mm -mm. So we had like five of the we only had seven guys. We did a total points league because we didn't get enough to do head to head. And Jason Wessel, I should say, Wessel Lance is here. So Wessel is just excited about fantasy football. And he's excited about the number one pick. So this was the year that Adrian Peterson was ranked number one. So Wessel, he's sitting to my left. And Wessel's like flagging all of these guys like he's going to take down the road. He's just flagging them all. And he must have been deep down in the in the like seventh or eighth round. Every time that he flagged a guy or every time you would flag a guy as a target, it puts them up in like the queue first. So he's flagging guys and starring everybody. And you hear the ring. And then you hear on Wessel's laptop goes ring. And that's he's on the clock. And he just clicks. And then you hear, oh, shit. And he ended up taking with the number one overall pick, Clinton Portis. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was so mad. And I'm sitting there. And this is the first time I've ever done fantasy football. I'm like, what did he just do? And then I saw who the pick was. I'm like, dear God, I know who Clinton Portis is. I know he's a decent running back, not worthy of the number one pick. So I'm very careful with, and I had this jumbo laptop. It was like a 25 inch color television for a laptop. And I very carefully put my hand on the little mouse pad and I slowly move the mouse up to the top right corner and I click on Adrian Peterson and then I move it up further to the right corner and I click draft and I look at him. I said, best of luck with Portis. (laughs) (laughs) And Wessel did not do well that year. I I had an incredible team and I ran away with the league and and Wes would always look at me. He goes, I cannot believe I drafted Clinton Portis number. I mean, you can get (laughs) Clinton Portis on your team, but not with the number one overall pick, but I'll never forget that. I just hear two rings and then a complete like, Oh God, what have I done? Pode's got the number one pick this year and he's won it the last two years. I don't think that's going to happen to him, but that might be the only way he doesn't win again is if he just pulls a Clinton Portis and a Jason Wessel. Here's, here's my last pitch to you, Lance, to try to get you to do fantasy. We'll bump up the first place winnings. We'll get you a six-pack of whatever like nice beer you like, and maybe we'll get you a massage at uh, an approved establishment by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I might be more incentivized by having like some sort of penalty if you finish last. I've, so uh, Alistair like, and I talked about that. We, yeah. So we, we go back to the Dan, my buddy Dan. He's the king of... Uh, like stupid things. So he was in fantasy football. They had, he finished last in one, one season and they had him dress up and take the SAT as the penalty. So it's like him going to SATs dressed up in a suit as a 30 year old with like college kids. And he gets like a 1450, like a nearly perfect on the SAT. So it was like a comeback F you to the whole league of, I finished last, but I about ace the SATs. We are now talking some Ohio State and Notre Dame football with another little bit of a preview. We kind of, with my buddy Tyler, just preview the season. But the reason we're having the Ohio State Notre Dame specific talk today is the three of us support these two teams. So Lance and I are the Buckeye fans. Jinx is the Notre Dame fan. Outside of Notre Dame, like when Ohio State is playing them, do you usually, Jinx, kind of look forward to or watch Ohio State and kind of root for them? Are you solely Notre Dame and there's no other allegiance for you? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not as much of an allegiance for the Buckeyes, but my wife is an alumni and grew up in central Ohio. So I was still pulled for Ohio State. I had Ohio State stuff growing up. You know, my kids pull for the Buckeyes, all that stuff is just you're raising beautiful children. (laughs) <laughs> when yeah. they when they pull head to head, you know that's where where I I sure you know split in the road for sure. So let's talk a little bit about just the game. I mean, we're almost I guess when this airs, we're almost a week away from it. So let's just go around the room. Lance, we'll start with you as a Buckeye. We'll go to the Notre Dame guy next, and then we'll end it with me from a standpoint of how we're going to watch or enjoy the season opener. I mean, this is a top five matchup. How will you watch? How will you enjoy the season opener on September the 3rd, Ohio State, Notre Dame? Will you go tailgate? Will you go to the game? Are you going to watch it at home? I think it's kind of up in the air so far. Uh, We're always kind of like fly by the seat of our pants when it comes to going down there, watching at home. Um, Obviously, I love to watch great games. It's kind of goofy that, you know, the first game of the year, you always have all the hype around it. You like to be you know, amongst everything, but it just happens to be an amazing game. I'm sure game day will be there. I think yeah, as well, I'll be right next to game day. Work. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's been so long since a, a Buckeye game. I don't almost know what to do with myself, whether I go down or, you know, sit and watch in the, uh, you know, the man cave down here, or we go to Bruce house for a tailgate cave, or, yeah. you know, uh, try to meet up with some Notre Dame fans, whether it's, you know, Brendan or Mark. And we, we have a little, uh, you know, friendly uh you know wagers going on here and there but i certainly hope you know it's a good game uh for what two versus five you would hope that you know we're going to live up to to the hype on this um but being the first game of the year you just kind of never know what's going to come out sometimes i i feel partially responsible for your uncertainty to that question i feel really bad i i feel really bad for a lot of a lot of reasons because you know i i'm now working the games so I've pulled the plug on, on my part of our tailgate. Um, and you probably know Lance Jen. I love Jen. She makes the macaroni and cheese and the meatballs with the cheese inside. And I, I love her. And it's not just because of the food. She's a, an, an amazing person, but her son is actually playing golf at Ohio Northern. So she's pulling the plug on their tailgate to go support their football team and, and her son. So we're pulling the plug there and everyone just all of a sudden, just like snap of a finger and we're backing out to anyone out there that's listening. That would come to my tailgate either on a weekly basis or when they're down there. I'm incredibly sorry that I'm not going to be there for the tailgate. I would say this, though. The plan is for me when I'm not working a game or on the road games, I'm going to do everything that I did at our tailgate on campus at my house. That's why I busted my butt to get my basement looking the way it did. Jinx helped me out with the mural down there. Lance helped me move some crap around. Everything's up. It's ready to roll. I got five TVs in my house. Two of them are in the basement. So I guess this can be the announcement. Anytime I'm not working or it's a road game, I'm tailgating to my house. Tent's going to be up speaker. The bathroom's a lot closer of a walk, free parking. You don't have, it'll be so much easier. I think logistically it's just less stressful, but I would say this. If you do have the money to spend $40 on parking, bring some more money. And when I'm down there working, come by a 16 by 20 frame photo. I don't know if I want to walk home with that though, or you know, go we into the game. Or okay. I know where you live. I'll just carry it to your house. I mean, I know where you work. I'll just come there and pick it yeah, up. Right? It's all about customer service and being friendly. We'll we'll make it happen. So bring some you've cash. Already re- you've already recruited me for you know framing you know some of my old pictures and whatnot. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. you get a, a take of that. Yeah. So just some bring some money, or I know you have some plastic in your wallet. Bring there. We'll we'll swipe your card and we'll get you a couple of frame sixteen by twenties. You too, Jinx. I'm in. All right. 
Uh, so we got to ask you now on the other side of the spectrum here as the number five Notre Dame fighting Irish fan. How will you watch the game? How will you celebrate the, the start one of college football? But then two, I would easily say the, the marquee game of week number one. How will you watch Jinx? Yeah, I think as of now, I'll be watching it just at home, um, you know, because it's a night game. It gives us less options. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like I probably watch it with other Notre Dame fans. But, you know, a couple um, I have a sister-in-law and brother-in-law that are Notre Dame fans that will be down with their newborn. So we might watch it with them. But uh, probably with people that I can cheer for the same team with, uh, yeah. you know, as there's not a lot of those in Columbus. But I kind of echo a lot of what Lance said, to be honest. Uh, first game of the year um, kind of leaves a lot of uncertainty um, for both sides, even though, you know, if you're going to lean one way, you've got a uh, returning head coach and potential Heisman candidate quarterback and, and receiver uh, you could probably rely pretty heavily on. But uh, first game of the season, that's why I think next year for 2023, not that we need to look ahead, but I think Ohio State Notre Dame play game three or four which is just a lot better, like Lance said, because you just get a couple games under your belt and kind of can figure out who your team is before, you know, the first game of the season. So, but to your point, I don't know if Notre Dame's the number five team. I think it's kind of a a top three tier of Ohio State, Georgia, and uh, Alabama. And then you could shuffle, um, you could even shuffle Clemson up or down, depending on what you think of their quarterback situation. But I think four through 10, you could put in a cup and shake them and roll them out and you could put them in any order, and they're kind of all right there on the doorstep. And I still think Notre Dame's probably in that group, mm-hmm. whether they're five or eight or ten. You know, I don't know, but uh, I think they'll have a good team. But having a first-year quarterback and a first-year head coach, first game at night on the road at the shoe is not the best place to start. Well, plus, I mean, I know you know this, but they're also without one of their best receivers. That's going to make it a lot harder. But back to your point about Notre Dame, I'm not saying Notre Dame is overrated. I'm just kind of surprised they were number five. Where I'm really surprised and where I do think this team is overrated, I don't think Texas A&M is ranked where they are. I know the AP and the USA Today coaches poll are really, when you start the season, it's basically of just maybe how you finished last year, who you have returning. I mean, you got to rank them somehow. But Texas A&M, I think, is number six, if I'm not mistaken. Six? I really don't think they're number six. They've been in the headlines. If you're talking just headlines in the offseason, they might be number one. They beat Alabama last year. I understand that. Who else did they beat? Did they have eight wins last year? I don't know. But I don't think they're number six. So if we're talking about respect, I have way more respect for Notre Dame and their number five ranking than Texas A&M. From my standpoint, how I'm going to watch is I have no freaking idea. Because I'll be working the game. I'll be working. I believe it's an outside booth right next to game day. So I can go say hi to Kirk Street, tell him that common man still doesn't like him. So I don't know timing wise of once I get packed up and torn down and take it back to the office. Like I'm going to ignore everything. If I can go back, I'm not going to have the radio on. I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to try to watch the game whenever I get home as new as I possibly can. But I don't know how I'm going to watch it. So we can turn to at least predictions. And let's let's do it this way, because I always tell people you have to you can predict with what you think and then what you want. It's two different things. Obviously, Jenkins wants Notre Dame to win 35 to three. I want Ohio State to win 97 to three. I would love to see them close to putting 100 on the board. But I think we save that one for Michigan. And I think we go 100 to three. 
But let's go with what we actually think is going to happen. So obviously the outcome, winner or loser, but then also maybe a score prediction. So Lance, we'll, we'll start up top with you. Uh, what do you think will be the outcome of this game? Who's going to win and what's your score prediction? Well, I didn't know it was a, a night game. So I think at home <laughs> night game. He's uh, prepared for the season. Yeah. yeah. I think at home night game, uh, you know, that's definitely going to favor the Buckeyes. Um, I usually suck at predictions. I think it's probably going to be kind of a tight game just because it is kind of the first game of, you know, back and forth. Nobody maybe really pulling away all that hard. Or I'm going to go like a 35 to 24 kind of kind of game. We'll go with the Buckeyes. Okay. So Lance is on the record as Ohio State, 35-24. As I've said a few times and people that have just talked to me outside of this show, I, I'm a sports pessimist. But also the thing that really makes me the most worried is when I start to feel confident about my team and an outcome that's favorable. That makes me very nervous. What makes me nervous about why I think Ohio State is going to win this year is I think they're going to win. I wouldn't say running away, but I also don't think it's going to be very close. And that scares the hell out of me. Just from everything that I've heard from the team on the offense and the defensive side, what I've heard from the coaches, both Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, the offense is still clicking. I don't think the loss of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson will be really noticeable. I love Chris Olave. Olave, I still think I have a bromance on Chris Olave, so I'm going to miss him. I think Garrett Wilson was an incredible playmaker and a really great guy. I drank too many beers with Garrett Wilson one night at a show. I just think the receivers that we have waiting behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, so those are the Marvin Harrisons and the Emeka Bucas. I don't know what to think about Julian Fleming. I just think they're really good, and I, I just think they're going to be the next guys. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be like a Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. I think his numbers might come down a little bit this year from last year because everyone else was focusing on number two on one side and number five on the other. Jackson was the one that had, I think, what, 96 catches last year and eight touchdowns and, and an absurd amount of yards. He had two 300-plus yard games. You could see that with Abuka, or I would maybe say Marvin Harrison over Julian Fleming. You might not see 96 catches and eight to 10 touchdowns, but you will see one of those guys, I think, be the beneficiary of everyone focusing on Smith and Jigba. Travion Henderson's going to be a stud. I really like Mayan Williams as a, a change of pace guy. It really sucks that Evan Pryor is out for the year. I think he's a great young kid. He was going to be, as Tyler said, like a Curtis Samuel. That really sucks just for a third guy that no one has film on. So like Lance brought up, first game of the year, everyone's a little rocky, a little shaky. But the fact that we lose Evan Pryor, I thought he could have been maybe the difference maker against Notre Dame because no one has film on Evan Pryor. Jinx, you might know this too. Is the spread around 14 and a half still at this point? Has it moved up or down at all? Last I saw was like 14 and a half, but okay. I, I haven't seen it move at all. I, I, I'm not a gambler. I don't have the money. I have terrible luck. I love watching Scott Van Pelt's bad beats, bad at, beats. The, at the end of Monday Night Football because I like seeing other people's roller coaster rides that don't affect my bank account. I really enjoy just seeing how the gamblers <laughs> weekends went. But I just think Ohio State will cover in this case. So they win by at least 15. I just don't think it'll be close. And the reason I say that is this. Everyone said that the offense at times has looked a little shaky because the defense has played really well. I just think Jim Knowles is going to turn the defense around. I think they're ready to prove themselves. I'm thinking 42 to 20. I'm concerned about my optimism and the margin of victory. That's what makes me nervous. 
I don't think I'm too worried about the outcome. I'm worried about my optimism. I agree. I I, I kind of get uh, a little anxious when I'm confident as well. That's what <laughs> makes me predict a tighter game, I guess, than trying to yeah. predict something that's a, a wider uh, range of victory. But uh, I, I think that's in the cards, Brew. I mean, uh, you know, we'll have a little side bet and see who who chugs a beer again. So I'm on record as 42 to 20. I think Ohio State's going to look really good, I think, on both sides of the football. So Jinx will turn to you. You might be optimistic. I know it might hurt, obviously, being at Ohio State. It is a night game. Place is going to be nuts. You're without a receiver. So where is your optimism level? Maybe one through 10, but then also what is your prediction for this, this football game on September 3rd? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit on the pessimist side, having been a, a Detroit sports fan and, and also a Notre Dame fan my whole life. So things never tend to go my way. So until the clock hits zero, I don't actually think we win a lot of games. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty realistic. I mean, I don't expect, like I said, um, as much as I love Marcus Freeman and what mm-hmm. he's done for the program, I don't expect him to be perfect in his first game or his first season. That's you know, a tough I'm not, debut. It's a tough debut, um, and he said it over and over again. He's played at the shoe uh, when he was with uh, Cincinnati, so he knows where the visitor locker room is. You know, he's he's been back where he's not running out of the place that he played. So, you know, he's familiar with it, but I'm pretty realistic. I mean, if they come out and play well and, and give the Buckeyes a game into the fourth quarter, I'd be pretty happy with the performance, to be honest. But realistically, I, I – I could see Notre Dame covering, but not by much. And, and you know, maybe being within a touchdown or something early in the fourth quarter um, and maybe have it getting out of hand. So originally when I had thought about scores, I was actually pretty close to Lance. I was like 38-24 or 38-27. Now, like you said, optimism meter um, would be is if uh, first game jitters, there's some, you know, missed defensive assignments. I mean, as good as you are, in camp, you know, there's nothing like going against somebody else. Right. You're not going to see the best tight end in the country, you know, at your own practice field. He's over in South Bend. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, as good as those linebackers might look on their own guys, um, you know, Notre Dame, I think if they're having a good season this year, they'll play a lot of a lot. They'll run the ball really well. They're going to have a really strong O-line and D-line. Um, and so if there's one one crack, one glimmer of hope, it's uh, – you know, not that anybody likes hearing about the Michigan recipe from last year, but Notre Dame is 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 good in the short yardage. They can run the ball and keep keep the high powered offense off the field a little bit. Yeah. And uh, one of the big hires they had is they hired uh, Brian Mason, the special teams coordinator, away from Cincinnati, who led the country in blocked punts last year. So I'm hoping oh, wow. for a little chaos on the special team side, and you know, a night game uh, on the road to open the season. You know, maybe you get. Uh, a break or two like that, that's the way Notre Dame maybe has an outside chance. Well, maybe I, I think maybe the best way to counter that hire of Brian Mason is just don't punt. <laughs> just, just score every damn time you've got the ball. And Ohio State's been known to do that under Ryan Day. Uh, Jinx, I marked you down as 38 to 27 just to have a, a little bit of a difference in the score because Lance was at 35 24. Are you okay with that? Or are you want to put down 24? No, it works for me. Works okay. for me. Not that we don't have anything on the line here, but just, you know, I think it's cool if we get it right. So we're all at least on record that Ohio State's going to win. I'll say this, and again, I think as the game gets closer, my optimism is going to come down because it still feels like it's a month away. I mean, when this episode premieres, it's eight days away. 
I mean, the next time that we're on the on the podcast, it'll be after the first game, right before the second game. I will have just turned 34 years old. I will get a second knee brace for the left knee. And we'll then have to basically, I think from here on out, we're just going to be talking football on the podcast, unless maybe the FedEx Cup has something cool. By the President's way, did you guys Cup. see President's Cup? Did you guys see that like remote controlled golf ball on that green that Rory chucked in the pond? I want like a dozen of those. I want some Titleist Pro V remote controls. That's what I want. Those are cool. I would be making a lot more putts if I had those babies. But I think we'll just be talking football. But the next time we're on, we're going to be talking about this game. So one of us might be close or maybe even right on our score. Lance, for yours and my sake, I hope all of us are right on our prediction of who is going to win. I just think if we did this show next Friday, I think my margin of victory for Ohio State would be a lot less. I would still think I'd pick Ohio State, though. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to pick Notre Dame. Um, I mean, like I said, first time head coach, first time starting quarterback. Yeah. You know, if you're just betting and you don't have any alliance to either team, why would you not take the better quarterback and the better sure. coach at home? It's just yep. simple, simple logic there. But nothing, nothing better than the only way for the Buckeyes to to lose is by two other Buckeyes. Classic <laughs> Buckeye fan there. Oh God, that the only be... way they can lose is the two Buckeyes on the other side. You know, yeah, going Thorn against and... them. Thorn on my side. I might have to take off my uh, James Laronitis photo off the wall if that happens. Yeah, not to mention uh, Coach Washington, Al Washington, is now the uh, D-line coach at Notre Dame, too. Is he really? Yep. My God, we're just bringing everybody because he was at Ohio State. And I mean, yeah, he was that, doing linebackers at uh, Ohio State, but he's been really great with the D-line. Well, you so. guys might be in real trouble then if I mean, if he's coaching your D-line, there's going to be no pressure on C.J. Stroud because our linebackers last year were hot ass. It was terrible. <laughs> Uh, really quick, do we think the loser of this football game between Ohio State and Notre Dame, so our prediction was Notre Dame, do we think Notre Dame could still make the playoffs? Maybe, Jinx, this is really just for you because I don't know Notre Dame's schedule outside of us. Do you think they could still make the playoffs if they do lose to Ohio State? I think if it's in a semi-respectable way, right? I mean, you know, even the year that Ohio State made the playoff with the early season loss to Virginia Tech, they looked like a different football team by the end of the season. Notre Dame has enough big games this year on their schedule. They finish at the road on the road at USC, which, you know, who knows about USC and Lane Kiffin's first year or Lane Kiffin. What am I saying? Yeah. Him uh, too. <laughs> yeah. Him too. But at USC to end the season, they've got Clemson this year. Who's a, you know, a top 10 team. Um, and people don't really know BYU as well, but they're a really strong program. They play them this year as well. So um, that's a bunch of grown men on the other side of the field there when you're playing against 25 and 30 year olds. So like, yeah, um, right. And they have like seven wives. Yeah, um, that too. That too. But no, if I think if they play a decent game at Ohio state and then they finish the season strong and uh, Clemson, USC, BYU, and you know, even if there's one other game in there where there's a strong team, yeah. um, you know, they could they could definitely climb back in because they wouldn't fall very far if they even lost in a somewhat decent game to Ohio State. <laughs> I just thought it's funny you said Lane Kiffin, not to be confused with Lane Avenue, uh, and then BYU. I just I love that Key and Peel the skit where you have all those guys with the crazy names, and you have like the guy at the end. He's like Bill Jones, BYU, or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. I love that skit. Yeah, yeah. What uh, is the new? Why why am I blanking? Who's the USC coach? It's now? uh. Uh, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley, my yeah. God, not to be confused not with Pat to... Riley, but yeah, no, Lincoln Riley, no. Lance, or how are President you doing Lincoln. over there? <laughs> not to be confused with Abe Lincoln. There you go. Lance, you doing all right back there. How's that wake forest shirt? Is it itchy? 
it's a little old, so it's got some holes and some grays. Uh, I was actually just kind of, uh, you know, we were talking about the Manti Teo thing earlier, Jenks, and I was oh, yeah. just reading his uh, NFL career. So there's a little uh, Notre Dame tie. But while we're uh, focusing on Notre Dame and I have no expertise, I'm just reading about <laughs> Notre Dame. So. Can you give me like a Cliff Notes version of that Netflix documentary? I need to find out who has given me the Netflix password so I can go watch this. But it sounded interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, it was really just the behind the scenes on uh, Manti Teo, kind of how he started this relation, this online relationship, and then kind of how everything fell apart. And it really just covers the timeline. I mean, it was pretty crazy. He had obviously like one of the best seasons for a linebacker yeah. in a he long a Heisman time. finalist for finished God's second sake. in the Heisman right. to Johnny Manziel. And uh, yeah. literally two days before they kind of go over it. But this person who was catfishing him was a dude who <laughs> is now a female uh, oh, that transitioned. God. And oh, so there there's obviously some complicated <laughs> layers there, but uh, there's a yeah, whole new brewing company episode had uh, had killed himself off in the relationship. And then oh. called Manti like two days before the national championship game against Alabama uh, to say like, hey, I'm still alive. And so Manti you know. thought that the person he was talking to was a chick. Correct. And this guy, it's a two part documentary, but he goes <laughs> on Dr. Phil afterward and Dr. Uh-huh. Phil has him do the voice. And it's like pretty wild. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was pretty crazy. You kind of come out feeling for Manti because yeah. his. NFL career falls apart. He falls yeah. out of the first yeah. round. There's a lot of a lot of complicated issues with it. It seemed like it was definitely produced to be sympathetic towards him because I think he got the raw deal of public opinion um, when it all came out, and this definitely helps paint the the whole picture a lot better. Yeah, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's just another reason why I don't do the dating apps. You know, I I don't I don't need to deal with a guy named Doug texted me like hey i'm cynthia want to get wings no i'm good doug thanks i'm good yeah i had wings last night actually the best part of this podcast has been the parts we haven't recorded so i apologize to everyone outside of jinx's house lance's house and my house which my house is just me so before we jump back into another zoom here lance's uh, computer was about to die so he gets up and jenkins joins the zoom and jenkins just asks him hey are you going to take a dump and lance goes yeah i'm gonna have to take down my underwear so we started having the conversation about where I was best and when I was best doing Wordle, which I don't do anymore. I we've broken up, and I, I think I'm over her, and I think she's actually seen someone else. So it's it's she's moved on. But at the same time, I was telling Jinx about how I usually would do Wordle at 12:05. Well, Jinx thought I was at like 12:05 p.m., like right as the noon news came on, like hello, and here's our weather. <laughs> that was just hilarious. You know, we're trying to figure out when we most productive and when we usually take dumps. But Jinx, I was going to tell you this, and then I figured it'd be funnier to record it. I was never a morning pooper, never, until I started working at Cincinnati Insurance, and my stomach would just be so nervous. I'd be so anxious. I would start work at 8 a.m., and then like freaking clockwork, at 8.30, my stomach starts gargling. It's like, you know, Dan at Lance's bachelor party. 
And it's it's some of the time it was just like noises you've heard at only the zoo. And luckily, the bathroom was right across the hall. And I would just sit in there for like 20 minutes. I'm like, well, what a great way to start the day. But I was never I was never a morning pooer until I started working at Cincinnati. Now that I've stopped working at Cincinnati Insurance, I could not tell you the last time I pooped in the morning. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like I'm not as regular as you. I think most normal people, they have a set bedtime. They have a very early wake up time. And I bet they poop within a 10 minute window at any any given day. What do you think? Lance is nodding his head. Yeah. (laughs) Jinx is over there nodding. Yeah. Lance, what time do you drop heat? It's usually first thing in the morning (laughs) or and followed by after a coffee time, too. So you need a little uh, extra love in the morning, right? There you go. This is a Bruin company as the sunsets discussion. Jinx, how about you? When do you take the Browns to the Super Bowl? Yeah, every morning, you know, get up first thing before I hit the shower, you know, take care, take care of business. And then like Lance, like once you get that coffee in you, that mid morning makes a makes a move, you know, you got to be ready to go. I, I have a great story. So I think both of you have met Porter at least a handful of times. I know Lance, maybe more than Jinx. Jinx, have you, you've met Porter at least once, right? Yep. Yep. So I know him and then my uh, my former boss at, at State Auto, the two of them are very similar they are not able to go to the bathroom like deuces in public. Like they're not able to do it. Porter and I go to one big 10 road game a year. Once we get outside of the friendly confines of 270, Porter doesn't go to the bathroom. Like the, the backdoor trots. I have so many ways to say pooping. It, it's unbelievable. But once we, once we get outside of 270, he can't go. He takes like laxatives, they do nothing. It's like just eating sweet tarts for him. They do absolutely nothing for him. Then the best part about it was we went to Indianapolis in 2017 for the Big Ten Championship. We beat Wisconsin. We're driving back from Indy the next day, and Porter just had the realization that he hadn't gone to the bathroom in like three days. As we're getting into Columbus and we're about to approach 270, we see the Columbus skyline coming from the west going east. And he's sitting there in the passenger seat and he sees downtown Columbus. He goes, oh, I feel one coming. (laughs) I'm like, how does that happen? How do you how can you not go to the bathroom for three days and then you see your hometown skyline and it's all of a sudden like a rush? How does that happen? Like for me, maybe it's because I grew up on a farm and I just if you got to go, you got to go. But my boss was the same way when he was at work. If someone was in the bathroom, he couldn't he couldn't go to the bathroom. And he would call it, oh, God, what did he call it? Um, it's like when you're pooping next to somebody. Battle shits? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that, that's what I call it. And I think that's in, uh, was it a White Chicks? Or what was that movie where they're, they're playing that? Oh, it's one of the uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Isn't that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds about right. Battle shits. Involving White Castle. Is, I don't, uh, he calls it shits. like carpooling or tag team not tag team that would be weird um oh man i should text him right now and, and figure out what he calls that but he just he cannot go to the bathroom when someone's sitting next to him it's incredible how if you have to go if you're like lance's buddy at his bachelor party and you have to dunk one and you go into the bathroom and someone's sitting there you just you you cork up how does that happen I just convinced I'm never going to see this person again in my life and just. Well, see, I'm on the opposite fun. side. Drop I'm the kids uh, off of the pool. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've, I've always thought that farts are hilarious. So whenever I go to the bathroom, first of all, I just got to go. And if I know that someone's in there, I do my very best to make it one of my all-time greats because I want to see if I can get them to laugh. That's my whole goal. I know I'm going to finish what I have to do in there. I just try to get them to laugh, a little smirk, a little like <laughs> something. And I've yet to do that. Once I accomplish that, I think my life is ready to be done because like that'll be my last goal on earth. Get married, have a child, make someone laugh I don't know in a bathroom stall. That's, that's really it for me. I'm a very simple man. Not that, uh, not that uh, you need a natural transition to the next topic, but <laughs> I was listening to a podcast from No Laying Up today, and they were okay. breaking down the live and PGA Tour, you know, debacle going on. Okay, and somehow they got off on a tangent about how PGA Tour headquarters in Pontevedra, the global home for the PGA Tour, they've built this crazy corporate office. Um, and but the one common thread going through there is that all the bathrooms are directly next to the conference rooms. So it's the <laughs> most it's the most backed up corporate setup of all time because everybody watches you go in the bathroom that's in the meeting. And so if you don't exit quickly, everybody knows that you're the one in there going to the bathroom. So nobody makes a nobody makes a BM in that in that office because everyone's terrified of being judged in the conference rooms. So, you know, if things aren't going well at, at PGA Tour HQ, you just know they're the most backed up corporation in America. Oh, that's that's hilarious. See, I would be the one guy. That's where I could really make some make some progression with that goal of mine. You may be moving south, bro. I may be moving south. I might be working for the PGA Tour and I will I will walk it out of that bathroom and everyone knows it's me and I will tip my cap like after I made birdie on 18. Like, yep, that was me. You guys have a great afternoon. I hope you guys got a laugh or two. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> right next. They're trying to figure out how to just like dunk live and make sure it drowns. And then some guys in there after Taco Bell, like, oh, dear God, who was that? Is that Jay? Is that Jay Monahan in there dropping heat? <laughs> All right. I'm scrolling through my old boss's text to see if I can find out what he calls that. But we will also at the same time, we'll also talk about the PGA Tour versus live. I have a lot of opinions on this. It, it's very frustrating. It's also just very annoying that it's still really taking over the headlines to what has really, to me, been a really good FedEx Cup playoff so far this year. So, Jinx, we'll give you the start on this. Uh, we've always had pretty good conversations. We had a few of them, at least on the way up, more joking about the Live Tour. Overall, PGA Tour versus Live, what are your feelings? What are your emotions? How do you feel about the two kind of going at each other at the moment? I think that I just generally feel like uh, it robs us a little bit as fans. We just want to see the best players in the world compete against each other more regularly. And, uh, you know, I don't obviously love where the money's coming from for live. And I don't tend to think that shotgun start 54 whole events, um, kind of big hit and giggles are much more than <laughs> truly like a, a member guest weekend at any club. Like it, there's just, you know, somebody makes a putt in London for an event that they have. I don't have any context as to what that means. And just cause that person's making a lot more money. Um, you know, and so I think that they've got a, a big uphill battle on their hands. Um, it sounds like Tiger and Rory and the top guys got together and they're kind of working through some kinks with the PGA tour and there's more to come with that as well. But, uh, generally like, I don't care really where I watch the golf. I just want to see the best players in the world compete and it matter. Um, and so, you know, if they make more money, great, but you know, I don't necessarily need it to come at the hands of the Saudi Arabian government. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, 
there's just a lot of uncomfortable things about live for me. I, I find it odd that a lot of the people that have used the excuse, I would say an excuse because now it doesn't seem like what they've said is true. They're using the excuses. They don't have to play as much golf. And for some reason they don't, they don't want to play as much golf, but it sounds like they're just doing it for the money. And I think it was Phil or someone else said, I just want to spend more time with my family. Well, Yes, you might be able to spend more time with your family when you're in the like the off weeks, but where you're traveling, you're you're going just as far. And now Live is adding more tournaments. I would guarantee you that at some point here very soon, they're going to have this very similar schedule to the PGA Tour. Maybe not every week, and you could also make the case that there's tournaments on the PGA Tour that no one watches, and that's fair. But then again, you don't have to play in those. But you can pick and choose on the PGA Tour. Is it 13 or 14 events you have to play to continue to keep your card? Is that the number? I think it's 18. Oh, it's 18. Okay, excuse mm-hmm. me. I would have to think in the next couple of years, Liv is going to have at least 18 tournaments. So you're still going to be playing the same amount of golf. And it, it just sounds like a lot of these guys, they seem to be unhappy with the tour or the league that made them who they are. And it just sounds like they're being really greedy, really, really selfish, and it's like, well, you're not good enough for me now. You've made me who I am, Bryson DeChambeau. But all of a sudden, I want nothing to do with you. If it wasn't for the PGA Tour, we would not know who these guys are. I'm a loyal guy. I, I like to take care of the people that have helped me get to the place that I've gotten to and places that I've been. And it doesn't seem like these people appreciate the PGA Tour for what they did for them, their careers, and really their families for generations to come. Lance, what do you think over there? You got the Titleist hat on, so I bet you at least have a decent opinion on this. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, all three of us and anybody that, you know, grew up playing golf and has a passion for golf, I think is a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to the PGA Tour and, um, you know, the, the big names that came out of that and kind of the way that it that it was. I, I kind of think before the, the Live Tour came up, a lot of these like Capital One challenges and stuff, uh, came about and I kind of feel like that almost like gave the Saudi people ideas of like ways to try and form some sort of, you know, tour or, um, you know, entertainment, you know, type event, uh, that the public loved because we loved watching. I, I can't even remember who all the ones that played each other, but it was like, They're you fun. know, Tiger versus Phil, it was Tom Brady and Phil versus, yep. you know, uh, whoever, Peyton whoever. Manning. Yeah. Peyton Manning. So I feel like those kind of started the transition of like, you know, they were in their, you know, brainstorming of, you know, how do we disrupt the PGA tour? And that kind of helped them mm-hmm. um, maybe formulate some, some ideas and, you know, I love the PGA Tour. I think it would be kind of fun to see the big names, you know, play in formats that the Live Tour has, but not as like the main stay, like these one-offs here and there. I hate where the money's coming from. Obviously, I think you know any person of that any moral standing kind of doesn't support that. You know, they're just buying golf basically with you know this blood money um, and the oil money basically. So, you know, I'm a PGA Tour guy for life. I, I don't think that's going to ever change. Um, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard, though, in a such a business capital capitalistic world that money, you know, does win out or be, at least buy some compromise in the world sometimes. So whether it's the PGA Tour is going to have to adapt and lose their, you know, nonprofit status and go to, 
you know, having to pay out these huge pots here and there, mm-hmm. it might be something they have to do just to retain the bigger players. Um, I don't know enough about, I guess, the business side and how the nonprofit status affects, you know, how they pay out people or not. But, you know, like Brendan said, like they're, they're already trying to make these changes. I've already heard some, you know, like six tournaments next year for $20 million pots for 60 mm-hmm. people or, um, you know, stadium golf and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it, the PGA tour lagged a little bit of, you know, formulating some response until the live was already up and running. I mean, they, I think they could have, you know, forecasted this was coming because for all intensive purposes, the PGA tour was kind of a monopoly, you know, the European tour wasn't really anything. The Asian tour wasn't really anything. So naturally if there's one, you know, big heavy hitter, there's going to be somebody that's going to come and, you know, try and take the reins from them. So um, it's been a little retroactive, uh, you know, reaction from them, but hopefully they can come up with something to retain the best players. And it'd be interesting to see if, you know, there's any way for live tour people on the live tour right now to ever come back or do they just stay in, you know, la la land of live or, you know, uh, what do they do for their future? I mean, I guess yeah. they got paid hundreds of millions of dollars to take that risk. So, well, I'm with, I'm with you guys. I think anyone, it, except for the people that have joined live, I think anyone, if you ask them personally, publicly, even for some and privately for others, I think everyone should be a little concerned or a little bothered by where this money's coming from. I, if, if you support where that money's coming from, I would have to ask a few more follow-up questions on your stance on just how people should be treated in general. That, that would be my first question. I've actually found myself supporting some guys more that have supported and backed and really shown their true allegiance to the PGA Tour and appreciated what the PGA Tour has done for them. I, I was never a big Rory guy, and I was never a big Rom guy. I, I became a little bit more of a Rom guy, a little bit more sympathetic for him, just because Lance, when we were at the memorial a couple of years ago, when he was just running away with that memorial. And then after the end of the third round, we were standing at the right of 18's fairway and, and the rough there, and we kind of saw what was happening. I kind of saw him bend over, and then we left to go to the restroom. And then we heard from Annie, like, hey, Rom was DQ'd. We're like, what the heck? We remember the drunk guy that came out of the bathroom, like, Rom's been DQ'd. He's got COVID. We're like, yeah, you've had 18 beers. And then we found out the guy was true. I, I gained a little bit more, at least, sympathy for John Rom, but I wasn't a big supporter of his. But guys like John Rom and, and Rory McElroy, I've become fans of because of their outspokenness and their support for the PGA Tour. And from Rory's standpoint, he just, taking shots at the guys on live. And I support that. I think he's taken those shots in a respectful way to continue to keep his reputation high. But I like the guys that appreciate what the PGA tour has done. I appreciate people that go back and thank their professors that got them that job or that internship. I I like those people. And for guys like John Rahm, when his comment was, I let's say the number was 30 million. He goes, what would I do with an extra $20 million? Like my life is not going to change. And that's true. And for Rory to really just be the, the young leader and the outspoken guy, and Justin Thomas is up there too. I really respect those guys. And I love Justin Thomas before this, and, and that's not going to change now, but I, I've gained a lot more respect. And I've also, I could even say I've become a fan of guys like a John Rahman or Rory McElroy. But I find it funny that, I wouldn't say all, but 
the majority of the guys that have gone to live, they're either has-beens or they've never really won on the PGA Tour or they're guys that a lot of the fans of the PGA Tour don't like. And if you got Jay Monahan outside of the, the conference room, just one-on-one and say, hey, be completely honest, do you really like Bryson DeChambeau? Do you really like Patrick Reed? I'm not going to speak for Jay Monahan, but my answer is hell no. Those guys annoy the hell out of me. And I know the PGA Tour has taken some shots here of late, but getting rid of some of these headaches, take them. Pat Perez, keep them. I remember watching Phil's press conference, Phil Mickelson, if you're not a golfer. I remember watching his press conference, his first one publicly after he's joined Liv. If anyone that doesn't know golf, Phil Mickelson is probably the most fan interactive Everybody loves Phil. He's giving thumbs up and he's smiling and he's signing autographs and he looks genuinely happy to be there with the fans while genuinely trying to win golf tournaments. That was not Tiger, by the way. Phil Mickelson in that press conference looked miserable. He looked like his he's just been beaten down from whether it's just the emotions or whatever else has gone on. He looked miserable. And I'll take it back to my personal conversation I had on the 11th episode. Money does not buy you happiness. You can you can make a ton of money and you can be maybe on the outside looking really happy. Internally and inside and privately, you're miserable. And Phil looked miserable. And I honestly don't know if it's worth that type of money. Again, Phil's made a ton of money. He does not need this money. I think he's pissed about the NFTs. But again, why do you need this extra money? Your kids and their kids and their kids after are covered as long as you stop gambling. But I just think a lot of these guys down the road, again, if you go solely on the money, you might be making a big mistake. And if, if you're just looking at Phil Mickelson now, he looks pretty beaten down. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you. Um, if you're like an older guy that went like a Henrik Stenson or a Lee Westwood or an Ian Poulter type, I mean, go get your money at the end of your career. If, sure. if that's what you want to do, who cares? Um I don't really understand the younger guys who have gone that are, are definitely going to be out on majors. Right. The one kind of, well, I guess the two kind of big fish you would say that they got DJ is, is definitely a loss, a likable guy. Yep. Um, but he's a guy that's, you know, in majors now because of his past performance um, and exemptions. And then the guy who now is, is all but signed and, and officially announced it's Cam Smith, you know, to get the, the reigning open champion and players champion um, for the PGA tours, biggest event and a major um, you know, that's, that's a huge get. And that's actually a guy who's at the top of his career right now and, right. and could be for the next couple of years, which is truly a bummer for the rest of us. Cause I, I myself personally love rooting cheering for cam Smith, but you know, it sucks. Everybody's got their own reasons, but uh I don't understand the young guys because they're going to completely fall in the world. I agree. Points. So like a Taylor Gooch or Gooch. You know, any of those other young guys, they're just uh, they're just not going to get in majors unless they go to open qualifying. Yeah. So l- let's have the discussion and let's just talk about it as it is right now. Right now, they're not planning any majors if they go to the live the live tour. Would you guys, the two of you, would you question their competitive nature by making that move as a competitor? I would think as a golfer, you're you're going to be judged and critiqued and remembered by how you do in majors. Look at Tiger Woods. Look at, at Jack Nicklaus. 
you would argue those are the two best golfers ever because of what, what do they do? They've won the most majors. If you're Cam Smith, as a competitor, you don't want to go back and try to defend your British Open title. I, I don't know how I feel about Cam Smith. I wish he'd shave the mustache and cut his hair. And if he would, I'd like him more because once Ricky cut his hair and stopped looking like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, I like Ricky. Why would you not want to defend your, your British Open title? Why, if you're DJ, why would you not want to try to finish the career Grand Slam? Why would you guys not want to do that? If you're Cam Smith and someone says, hey, would you rather take all this money, not worry about cuts? And first of all, he's making good money. I don't know if you've seen who he's dating. Top shelf. I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to continue to try to add to that, that trophy case. Cam Smith, if he can't go back to ever play a major, he's got one major. You know who he's like? He's like Ben Curtis. If you're, Let's just put all the four majors together. If you're the majors, do you keep them from playing or do you allow them in? I think you let them in and you just don't want to get caught up in these legal battles for no reason, right? I mean, if you're Augusta, why do you need uh, to have a massive lawsuit against Saudi Arabia at this point? Um, you know, do you want that being the focus? No. Um, could they kind of kindly ask them not to come like, you know, like Phil, you know, this year to Augusta? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe could be that, that route too, but I think you bring your champions back, but you know, you probably are not gonna, you know, give these other guys a, a route in, I uh, know, just to avoid the legal battles, but technically the open championship and the U S open are truly open tournaments. The three of us sitting here could go qualify for any of those events. So Taylor Gooch could show up at, at Columbus Brookside and qualify and get into the U S open that way. He's just not going to earn it on his own merits from ranking standpoint. What about you, Lance? You seem to be a master up there. What would you do? I think you at least invite, you know, your past champions or the ones that, you know, are in the world rankings at that point in time. Um, you know, like Jenkins said, like anybody can kind of qualify for certain ones or the masters is, you know, probably the one that's well, that, and I guess the PGA you can, it's pretty open. I think you can qualify for the PGA. I don't know, but maybe, maybe by the not. way, I'm first on a, a very short list of guys. That's going to caddy for Mark when he makes the PGA. I thought about that. I think that would be pretty cool to see Mark playing <laughs> the PGA, but maybe that's um, how we get you into fantasy football. The year that Mark qualifies, <laughs> whoever wins fantasy football gets to caddy for Mark. You can't win if you don't play Lance. So you better get in soon, buddy. That's cool. But, you know, these PGA Tour events are completely separate from the majors. So I feel like That's the majors fair. just aren't going to want to dip their toes in this legal battle of mess and just be like, if you want to come, you can, you know, please don't wear your live golf attire <laughs> while you're playing in this like Patrick Reed did. <laughs> you think they pick it? That, I'm glad you brought up Patrick Reed, which like common man says, is that the guy that hates his family? With Patrick Reed, if you're the master's, do you pick and choose which past champions you invite back to like keep the reputation up? Like DJ, you're welcome. Patrick Reed, take a hike. I think they technically could do that, but I don't think they would. That would look um, bad. I would do they, that because I'm a vengeful person. Even though nobody loves Patrick Reed, um, and they, <laughs> I'm sure they would not like to have him back. He's um, a champion. Man. He's a champion. So he's going to come back until he can, can't get the ball off the tee anymore. You know, I'll tell you this. If, if Brandel Chambly somehow gets some type of pull or say at like, what do you call those old people that wear the green jackets at the Masters that haven't won the tournament, like the committee members or grand, whatever those old geezers are called. Grand Poopa. Grand Poopas. We'll call them Grand Poopas. 
if Brandel Champlee can somehow be a grand poopa, I guarantee you he finds a way to keep Patrick Reed out of the Masters. <laughs> that lawsuit to me is hilarious. I think the only way that Patrick Reed uh, can win that is if he can convince his own family not to testify against him. That'd be the only way because a lot of his family it's, hates him. That's a large uphill legal battle. So maybe yeah. uh, he should hire Johnny Depp's attorney. There you go. There you go. Uh, maybe they should just get you, Lance. You seem to be smart when it comes to insurance and all that crap. Maybe maybe you can be on the, the legal team that takes down old Patrick. Reed. I, I would just bill him a lot and not care the outcome. So, <laughs> Oh, sorry. We lost in a landslide, but I need your $25 million from your, uh, your third place finish over in Dubai. We have talked a little Ohio State and Notre Dame. We've talked a little bit about what times do we usually use the restroom. And we've also talked about live golf. So we're going to circle back. So we don't really have a game to end the show this week, but it's just more of a prediction edition. And we're going to go back to Ohio State and Notre Dame. And we're just going to give our like season predictions, maybe just a record, maybe how we fare against our rivals slash rivals, and then maybe our how the season ends. Do we make the playoffs? Do we win the national championship? Stuff of that nature. Uh, you want to flip a coin to see who goes first, Jinx or Lance? Uh, I'm going to flip an imaginary coin here. Heads, Lance, you're first. Go ahead. <laughs> the Buckeyes. Um, I think the Buckeyes are going to have a good season. Um, you know, I, I, it goes back to your earlier conversation of I hate to be too positive um, because then I get severely disappointed when things go uh, down the crapper uh, to our other conversation. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, you know, Ryan Day, I I don't know. You know, I, I was so confident in Urban Meyer, and I just have a little bit of a side doubt in a Ryan Day. Do still, you know? I, I don't know why he hasn't completely uh, gained my trust. So um, we need to we need a Michigan win. Okay. 2019, we torched him in Michigan. Um, True. But I think he needs to, you know, obviously get that Michigan reputation up like Urban had. Urban never lost to Michigan. And I think that was kind of the expectations all the Buckeye clan had. So I think we get to the playoffs. Uh, I'm not so confident it may be a national championship year just from my pessimistic view, but <laughs> hopeful the defense is a ton better than last year with the new defensive coordinator and that maybe we can ride that horse uh, into the playoffs and maybe even further. I think it's funny that you you haven't trusted Ryan Day yet. And it just goes to show how spoiled Ohio State fans are. And it goes back to Jim Trust. I mean, John Cooper could not beat Michigan. He couldn't. He, he just he always struggled. He had some of and this was when I was really young. But just from my studying of Ohio State and knowing some of his teams, he was a great recruiter and he had some of the best Ohio State teams. And he just couldn't win anything because he would lose to like Michigan State 98 or the Michigan games where we were great and they were just like eight and three. Michigan just stomps us. But since Jim Trestle, and it was if you get the chance, go and find the, the Trestle speech that he gave at like the 100 years of Ohio Stadium. It's an amazing speech. And I, I love Jim Trestle. I know he's won a championship. I know Urban's got us one. I love Ryan Day, if you're wondering. But Trestle is always going to be my number one, just for a lot of reasons. But his speech is fantastic, so go and listen to that. But since Trestle, he really trained like our age group of Ohio State fans to just expect us to win 10, 11 games a year, always beat Michigan. 
And if you're not at the time in the BCS national championship, you're playing in the Rose bowl or the Fiesta bowl. And there's a high chance you win that game too. And it's weird. Cause I wrote down, I had to kind of go back through the, the games. Ryan day started his fourth year. And that second year of his was an abbreviated year, but his only loss his first year was to Clemson. And I'm still not over that game. We got host. The next year, his only loss was in the national championship game against a team that, you know, some NFL teams might not beat. And that was Alabama. And then last year was just a terrible defense. And it was the same formula, Jinx, as you kind of talked about with the Michigan game. It was the same formula that Oregon ran against us. Physical football, run the football. We couldn't stop it. Both teams did the same thing. This Ohio State defense, I've heard a lot of people say this year, they don't have to be like Georgia's defense last year. They don't have to be the number one defense. By the way, in 2019, Ohio State had a top two defense, and that's what the team could look like. If we just have a above average defense, top 30 defense even, there's a high chance that we make the playoffs. I would say more than likely we go undefeated, and then you roll the dice and hope for for just a special end of the year. Jinx, what do you think Notre Dame's season as a whole is going to look like? Where do you think they go? Do they get to the playoffs? What are you thinking? Yeah, I kind of think they'll have a strong season. Um, it could go a couple of different ways, but if I had to guess, I'd say 10 and two, maybe nine and three type of season. Um, again, first year head coach, first time starting quarterback, you know, um, they've got a ton of returning players on defense. Um, and some stars on the offensive side of the football, too. So there's a lot to work with there. Um, but they do have some big games, so we'll see. Um, also, to the Ohio State side, I'd go ahead and put money on Alabama and Ohio State in the, Ohio- in the national championship game right now. <laughs> I think that there's like a, a high likelihood that that's the national championship game this year. Um, so, but anyway, I would say 10 and 2 would be a great season, um, you know, as long as they're not like two horrible losses. Um, if they made like a New Year's Six Bowl at 10 and two um, and, you know, lost a, a competitive game at Ohio State and, you know, maybe somewhere else. But uh, I would I would definitely take that as progress. Um, do they have a chance to make the playoff outside? But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a realist. I'd, I'd probably say they're more likely to go nine and three or eight and four than make the playoff, to be honest. I'll say this again, maybe from the Notre Dame standpoint, there's probably a lot of uncertainties maybe like with Ohio state and just our defense, but for you guys with a new head coach, new quarterback, without one of your best receivers, there's a lot of uncertainties of maybe the direction that your season takes. It could maybe go three different ways. If Notre Dame could beat Ohio state, I'd have to think those expectations of maybe eight and four, nine and three, 10 and two, all of a sudden skyrocket to, if we go 11 and one, this is a bad year because if you beat Ohio state at Ohio state to start the year with a first year head coach and all the things you've kind of talked about as potential roadblocks, if you jump all of those hurdles and beat Ohio state in the horseshoe under the lights, my God, expectations would be out the roof. Yeah. And I I don't think it's impossible to see the road. Like you said, either way, they have uh, a really veteran defense with great players at every level of the defense. They have a very, very talented open, O-line, a good stable of running backs and like one of the best tight ends in the country. So, you know, if the quarterback is, is a good player and he doesn't, uh, you know, turn the ball over at the wrong times and the defense can be opportunistic, you never know. So I'm not, I'm not counting it out, but uh, I know to be smarter than that too. (laughs) That's fair. So I think I'm with both of you. I, I always try to look at or view Ohio state football without the Scarlet and Greg goggles. Uh, I think I can do a pretty good job of that. But at the same time, I 
I look at this Ohio State schedule, and then I also look at the team and who's returning and just what this team could really do. I could really see this team making the national championship. Could easily be, if you want to put down safe money, Alabama, Ohio State. You look at the schedule, though, and the marquee games are all at home. So that's great, but the schedule is difficult. You have Notre Dame. You've got Wisconsin. You've got at Michigan State, Iowa, at Penn State. You've obviously got Michigan. The game that might scare me the most, and this is going to sound a little absurd, might be Maryland. And the reason I say that is because Ohio State is a favorite in every one of the – Jenkins is laughing at me like I'm insane. And I'm not drunk, Jenks. I'm, I'm sober as a bird. Actually, I'm not. I've had two beers. But the reason I say that is because I go back to those other years where Ohio State's had these great teams. And then you have a Purdue that jumps up and just grabs you. And then you have an Iowa jumps up and snips you again. And then the rest of the season, that's that's a late game. You can't really recover. You can't make the playoff after that. For some reason, you look at Notre Dame and Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan, and yes, they're huge games, but they are also all at home. But let's just say this. Let's project and think down the road a little bit. Let's say they overcome all of those marquee games and those opponents of Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Iowa all at home. You get through Penn State on the road. You get through Michigan State on the road. The game before the game that they really care about is Maryland. It's on the road. And oh, by the way, Porter and I are going. <laughs> and I just have a feeling that you could look through this team and the teams they play, and they could easily be 10-0 going to Maryland on November the 19th. And that could be with um, Tua's brother. I don't know his first name. Tonga Viola, something. He's developed. They've gotten some solid receivers in there. They've got a high-powered offense. And oh, by the way, in Dwayne Haskins' year, we almost lost at Maryland. And if it wasn't for a failed two-point conversion, Maryland would have beaten us 53-52. to It could be one of those games where you just kind of look over and maybe peek over the fence a little to see how Michigan's doing, maybe the next-door neighbor, and you see that their grass is really green. And you want to go over there and just kind of destroy it. And you forget about Maryland, and that could be the game that scares me the most. So I know it sounds crazy. Maryland scares me a little bit if they are 10-0. If they lose one of those, then Maryland's off the table in terms of the scary factor. Overall, though, if I look at this season, they're favored in every game. I think they're favored by double digits in every game, which, again, scares the hell out of me. But if they live up to the expectations that the offense is proven, they were the number one offense in the country last year, and if they have a top 30 defense, they don't have to worry as much about maybe that lack of toughness on the, on both lines, offensive and defensive line. Maybe those linebackers take a huge jump this year. Maybe the secondary, as I told Tyler, they look back for the damn ball at least once or twice a game. This could be a team that could really make something special out of this 2022 season. And maybe in Ryan Day's first year, maybe he can get some revenge from that Clemson game. I don't think they were going to beat LSU in the national championship. But maybe this is the year they can get over that hurdle. They can win that national championship. I can buy more new memorabilia, and Lance finally trusts Ryan Day. So either way, fellas, uh, it's been fun today. Any last thoughts on anything that we've talked about, whether it's live, Ohio State, Notre Dame, bathroom talk, whatever you like. Any any last thoughts that come to mind? Don't stay up too late, Brew. Get some sleep. You're a working man. I am a working man, and I, I could really go for a lower back massage at this very moment. I, I saw Jinx in the middle of the recording. He was doing some laundry. Did you get that jean jacket folded? It looked like, was that all right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The mankini, yeah, it just needed to be pressed. So I just, I'm gonna hang it up in the closet here. The mankini, the mankini, that? yeah, it got pressed. You know, it had too much chlorine in it, so I had to wash it up. And hey, you got to put that up for the winter, man. It's really cold here in August in Columbus, yeah. Ohio. So the mankini, the the speedos are done for the summer, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't be bringing that out when it starts to get cold. Things just don't look as good. Back to the regular swim trunks for Jinx from here on out until 2023 of summer. Well, it's Pretty been much. fun, fellas. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit later. I would assume Jinx will probably talk maybe during the game, and um, I'll allow you to text me during the game. I got two people I'll, that are allowed to text me, so you can be the third for that game alone. I'm not going to text you. If you're not able to watch the game, I'm not going to be the guy. Oh, yeah. How, how stupid am I? Yeah, don't text me at all. I, I will ignore <laughs> it until I watch the game. We'll talk I think Sunday. you're crazy to think that you could even pull that off. I've tried to do it uh, a handful of times. And you could be doing the most random thing. And then there's just some random dude at the gas station who's talking about it. And you're like, mother <laughs> f- always ruins it. You just can't. I've I've yeah, tried. Molly's like, why don't you just record it or whatever? And I'm just like, it just doesn't ever work. There's no there's no good way. It just doesn't. You can mute everything. You can wear noise canceling <laughs> headphones, you know, and then it just pans across on a billboard. And you're well, like, yeah. I was like at Lance's bachelor party. Someone I was doing really good trying to ignore the Purdue game. And then someone's like, oh, my God, we scored again. It's 56 to 33. I'm like, you jackass. <laughs> but I think you underestimate underestimate me. Well, there's a Will's Alatoris. There's a way I'm pretty good at this. Uh, I did it that whole first year. I worked at State Auto. I was by myself. I turned my phone down. I turned it off. I would drive home when Lance and I were living over in Grandview. I wouldn't talk to them as I walked in. I went straight to my room, locked the door, turned the TV on and, and watched it and watched it new. So that Oklahoma game in 2016, I had no idea what happened until I watched it. And then I saw that great Noah Brown catch. So, yeah, I, here's the thing. Just don't stop at the gas station. And then the guy that passes you, hey, big gulps, huh? Yeah. Hey, Bucks won. Uh, screw you, dude. Well, that about wraps it up, folks. Thanks to my company today. For my co-host, Brendan Jenkins and Jason Lance, I'm Matt Brubaker. The soundtrack for the show is brought to you by PremiumBeats.com. Please like, subscribe, and follow me on the Twitter machine, personal at MattBrew3, the show at Brew & Company. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, life isn't about the people you meet, but about the company you keep. Until next payday, cheers. Cheers.